final trip around the bases for the all-time home run king. This is Corey, and this is the O the Nth Podcast. Wow, you went really deep, and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 355 of the O the Nth Podcast, coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice, the easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem. And Rob, I, I, I didn't bring this up before the show, but uh, since I said it out loud, do you feel like Hank Aaron is still the home run king, or is it? A, or are you giving that to Barry Bonds because he technically has the record? Well, no. Uh, no Mark McGuire, who was the person before Barry Bonds. Mm-mm. Didn't he break it before? No, Hank Aaron. You're talking about the single season. I'm talking uh, about all time. All time. Yeah. I didn't know you. Uh, no Barry Bonds. Uh, <laughs> no Barry Bonds. Uh, no. Basically, uh, any record that was set or broken after 1989. Okay, so Cal. Cal's thousand game, <laughs> consecutive game streak that's, is uh, that's that's a good point. Um, I say uh, I say Cal and Ricky Henderson are my last are my last two. Well, Ricky Henderson was doing a lot of crack. I mean, I feel like that makes <laughs> you steal bases really. Think easily. you're thinking of Daryl Strawberry? Let's oh, not, oh, I am. Yes, you're right. <laughs> let's not besmirch the good name of Ricky Henderson. Uh, we should probably them, we should probably stop where we are. Right now. I was thinking because <laughs> no, I was Henderson just thinking too. about I've I've seen both of them with pictures of. Uh, jokingly like stealing bases and they actually take the base out and yeah, run yeah. with them uh and i'm now i'm remembering daryl strawberry was a met and ricky <laughs> henderson uh was not a met so uh he was a yeah. lot of things but i, I don't know if i don't he think was, he ever played for the Mets. i don't think he played for the Mets. yeah uh that was another funny thing because it was new york and uh daryl strawberry grabbed second ran to third and then just ran off the bases and into the uh the um, visitors uh dugout clubhouse <laughs> yeah, yeah just like gone he's like uh, <laughs> he stole the base again uh Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, a lot of stuff to get through this week. We're going to try and keep the show a little tighter than uh, last week's and the weeks before and, and the week before that and the one before that uh, where we went uh, two hours. But the good news is there's Trump's not gone. nearly as much, <laughs> not gone. nearly as much uh, thrown over the government that it's, there was. It's very good. Yeah, uh, there's no overthrowing the government. There's no Trump. Um, there is a little bit of uh, the people who did overthrow the government talking shit about people in the government. But uh, we'll get to that. Before that, though, uh, I know that we want to talk about... Oh, let me... This is not the topic for right now. That's the topic for later. Uh, we want to talk about um, your favorite politician. No, not Diane Feinstein. It's <laughs> Governor Gans- Gavin Newsom. Oh, Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. What are we going to do with you? Uh, so, yes, Gavin Newsom today, uh, after alerting the... Uh, Restaurant Association of California that he was going to be uh, lifting the stay-at-home order. Today, lifted the stay-at-home order and went back to the tier system that was being in place prior to uh, the stay-at-home order going into place, um, which is good for some, I guess. It, it, it would imply that there's some sort of progress being made, but uh, unfortunately, right now in Los Angeles County, there's 0% ICU capacity. And uh, San Joaquin, it's 1.2. And, you know, the Bay Area, I think it's like closer to 25, 26%. In Northern California, it's a little bit better. But there certainly is a a tale of two two halves here going on. That is an improvement, Corey. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, even Southern California has improved. We're up to like 4% capacity (laughs) on ICU beds. So it's time. It's time for us to do it. I, I just don't understand where the logic comes in a lot of the times on this because the cases are still higher than they were when 
we shut down outdoor dining originally. And I know there's a lot of people who are talking about, you know, outdoor dining can be safe and, you know, like uh, there's no metrics that are showing that, out, you know, that outdoor dining is doing anything to the numbers. Uh, I can believe you. I can believe that. But I still won't go outdoor dining <laughs> just because where I live and, you know, like in downtown Los Angeles, it's really tough because, you know, you're in a bike lane or you're on a sidewalk. And it's not like you're spread far away from a lot of other people. You're kind of still every best effort is being made by the restaurants. I can tell that they're they're really concerned with safety and they really want people to come out and feel safe eating. But, you know, I I think right now there's only a certain number of people who are going to do it and uh, certain people who will do it because it's legal or available now. Um, But it doesn't really take care of the problem, which was people doing whatever the fuck they wanted during the entire stay at home order. Like, and, and let me say, let me say about the, the outdoor dining. Um, LA has a funny way of doing outdoor dining where, uh, at first it was tables on the curb and mm-hmm. then it was, we're going to put a tent out there and then the tent had walls and then we replaced it with a wooden walls and like an overhang that was a sheet. And then that became four, mostly four walls and a roof. And then essentially what we got was, Indoor dining. <laughs> Indoor dining on the curb. So now I don't get to enjoy the, the heat and the air conditioning. I just am sitting on the curb uh, eating my food. Uh, not me, because I also wouldn't go out to this. Um, and by the way, the circulation, probably better in the restaurant than in these little wood boxes that they had out on the curb. I mean, like, uh, the problem is that, like, some of these, you know, like, uh, uh, I like Dublin's uh, yeah. on 7th Street. And it's a fine restaurant. Uh, I enjoy going there during non COVID times, but I just can't ever feel safe there because yeah. you're right at seventh and fig, which is like Mecca for homeless people. And, uh, it is, and I'm not trying to make fun of the homeless or anything here. I'm just saying no, there's I'm a just, lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the atmosphere. I just, you and say, a lot of people not I'm wearing masks. Yeah. Mecca for homeless people. I'm just imagining two guys in New York, like George, what's your plans this summer? Well, <laughs> I, we're supposed to do a once in a lifetime. I'm finally going to go to seventh and fig and, uh, and you know, do my, uh, 144 paces around, uh, the block yeah. LA. Um, and then yeah, I'll come back. Hopefully you'll bring some spiritual awakening. in me. <laughs> I'm wondering what the name of the prophet is for, uh, the church that it worships the block. Uh, I don't know. St. Larry. I might have to, might have to noodle that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, listen, um, Downtown LA is not great for outdoor dining. Unfortunately, it's also where there's a lot of, of trying to do outdoor dining. Um, places in the suburbs have parking lots. Yeah. Denny's uh, on Sunset hasn't worried about indoor dining because essentially they just said, hey, don't bring your cars because our parking lot's the restaurant now. And tables are pretty wide spaced apart. Now, as time is gone, more tables show up. They get a little closer together. They're trying to find the magic number where it we can afford to pay the people to be here and get enough seats taken. And, uh, you know, I, I I can really understand. And I really feel bad for people who own restaurants, for people who own hair salons or nail salons or anything like that. And I don't necessarily feel like uh, saying that anyone is doing anything wrong at this time. Even if you've been operating illegally to try and like keep food on your table. Like you got to do what you got to do. I'm not, I'm not mad at people who are trying to survive this whole thing. Uh, 
but the failing is not at the orders level. Yeah. It is at the government's level because nothing has been done. You know, if, if, uh, when the pandemic first started and there was the additional assistance that was happening with unemployment, I could tell there were a lot of people who were just like, I could work. I could hypothetically work Uber right now, yeah. but I choose not to because yep. I'm getting enough money to survive at this moment. Uh, and at no point during the, this entire process was it easy for restaurants to figure out a way to survive. Uh, there was PPP and stuff like that, but so much of that money would go to you know, your Cheesecake Factory restaurants yeah. as opposed to your Weird. mom and dad <laughs> kind and of And then, uh, as you remember, they, they ran out of money. Uh, yeah, because mom and pop restaurants were asking for a few uh, hundred thousand to get them through 12 months. And they were well, like, well, we gave Cheesecake Factory like 27 million. So we don't have it. Sorry. Well, and I mean, like people, you know, there, there, there was a lot of people who didn't know what to do with with the situation when it was first happening. Like when the first BPP rolled out, there was a lot of people who were like, well, what is it? Another month or two that we're going to have to do yeah. these lock? We'll be fine. Like we don't need to ask for money. Like we'll be good. And then you realize that, no, you did have to ask for money. Like I go back to the point that every American is a temporarily down on his or her luck billionaire. And I don't know. It's not going to be this generation. It's going to be the people our age and younger who are like, hey, you know what? The only way in which you are a millionaire is that you are closer to being a millionaire than Jeff Bezos is. Like, that is the only way you can consider yourself a millionaire. Yeah. A rounding error when compared to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Otherwise, we need to recognize that you have more in common with the homeless guy than you do with the people you see on TV. Oh, ben uh, Affleck is super funny when he's carrying packages and Duncan and he's trying to balance it. Yeah, he's doing that. He could afford to pay 30 people. Each one of them have one package and a cup of Duncan and walk it in for him. Yeah. You don't have that. That's why it's funny when he does it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of this whole thing, I let's start at the beginning because I brought this point up at the beginning. When, when the pandemic first started, we were very happy with what Newsom was doing and yes. Garcetti and stuff like that. The more we have gone along, and I feel like this is constant between most Californians that I encounter, which is uh, it's really lost its its luster. Um, I'm still thankful that they are, for the most part, staying on the safer side of things that, as opposed to the, you know, like we, we could be Arizona or Florida who is just like, fuck it, and just Texas. open everything. Yeah, Texas. Um, and we're still not there. Uh, but I still don't think that we haven't solved the the major problem, which is that people who want to do things are just going to fucking do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no way to, you know, it, every single week for the last month and a half, uh, there's been some story about some shadow bar that has been set up in a warehouse somewhere. And it had 2000 people <laughs> without masks having a party. And I mean, like, you know, that leads to a lot more cases and not just a lot more cases amongst just the people in that room, but anyone those people interact with. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you could run into one of these people on the street. They can shout at you in a gas station. <laughs> exactly. You can get you can have some sort of altercation with somebody on the street and now you have covid and it wasn't because you did anything wrong. It was because you had to go to the grocery store at the same time that the guy who went to the illegal bar went <laughs> to the grocery store. I mean, like it, it, it's. Again, I'm not trying to pick on people for their for what they feel like is important at this time, but anyone who is prioritizing 
nightlife and going out and partying is kind of losing sight of what's going on here because there will be plenty of time. Like, I can't wait to go out and bar. Like, I, I, I have never been more excited to go to bars and clubs than this exact moment because I've just been, it's been kept from me, you know? Like, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm just excited to hear people stop bitching about it. Um, I mean, like, I, I, I'm not saying, like, I'm so excited I'm going to do it tonight. I'm just saying, like, no. I, I, like I'm, I, I'm legitimately looking forward to the next time that I can feel like I can safely go into a bar and relax and just have a night at the bar because I just, I, even though it's something that I, I never do, I almost never say, like, oh, tonight's the night I'm going to go to the bar. Like I'm looking forward to the next time that I can make plans on Tuesday and then bail on Friday <laughs> at 8 when I just don't want to do it anymore. Uh, but, yeah, listen, I, we started this by saying... Oh, there's a competition. Who's going to be quarantine daddy? Is it going to be Cuomo? Is it going to be Newsom? Yeah. Oh, no. It looks like uh, Larry Hogan's getting in the fray here because they were handling it well. And I think you're right that uh, we were spoiled a bit because we were really, other than Larry Hogan, we were talking about Democratic governors who were just like, hey, everyone in my state really is upset about this, so I have yeah. to do something about it. Uh, and that leads me to the question, why is Gavin Newsom changing his perspective now? And maybe it has to do with something that Corey brought up a few weeks ago, and that's that there's a recall movement going on now. And I think the argument has been aptly put that there are two sides of Gavin Newsom. There's two sides of, of Eric Garcetti. There's two sides of a lot of these guys. And that's the pragmatic analytical side that says, I'm going to put together a plan that's going to be very detailed and have justification. And then the other side of it is, I really want to be popular and I want people to like me. Yeah. And at the beginning of the pandemic, it was easy for both of those things to work together. Listen, I got a 12 point plan. This is how we're going to do things. And everyone likes me because I have that. Right. Now people are like, let me go to a bar. And they're like, uh, uh, they're going to recall me. I, I, I can't be popular and do this. So I'm going to go with being popular. And I stand by the fact that if 10% more people died, but we were able to open up bars and restaurants and Gavin Newsom felt as though it would help him in a reelection. He would choose opening the bars and restaurants to get reelected over the people's lives. And that's not a slight against him. Maybe it's a slight against our system. That's basically a high school popularity contest uh, in the form of balloting, but that's where we are. And I, you know, I said, maybe what's the matter with Kansas is we're over that. Yeah. And I stand by that a little bit. I think that like, the educated generation, the millennials, uh, our generation and younger are set. The problem with what's the matter with Kansas is you had your local newspaper, your library, and, and not a lot of, and your local news other than like the national news, right? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of news sources. So now we're getting conservatives in deep Alabama that are like, yeah, this QAnon thing's bullshit. Like this, this is crazy. And I'm not a communist or a socialist, but I know what the middle of the road looks like. And this ain't it. And uh, you know, Biden, you can't call him a socialist because he's not. He, yeah. He's a, center of the road guy uh and they're calling that, that out we're the other what's the matter with kansas problem we're getting is that i feel like the more we get to that the more it becomes a popularity contest and it's just about like i gotta stay as popular as possible and not be what we've called for before and that's the, the take your medicine leader that's just like i gotta make a difficult decision because it's what's best so i mean you brought up hogan and i think he's a good example of what i think i kind of want in this uh well hold on i mean not everything is not as everything has been perfect but i'm saying at least in this regard because newsom and garcetti in particular it feels like have this this like veil of i don't want to be unpopular that just shadows them wherever they go and uh 
Hogan doesn't have that as much. Uh, in it, it, specifically, and where it helps him here is every once in a while he gets he gets unhinged a little bit. Like you know, like th- there will be a press conference and it'll be like you know, uh, bars and restaurants are closed, but there's been reports of underground bars that have been popping up, and he'll just be like, "If I find you, I'm gonna put you in jail, and I'm not gonna release you until this whole thing is over." So how much you want to put you know like. <laughs> stress it and and like it works because people are just like enough people hear that Uh, enough of the 10 percent of people who are going to go out and party regardless of what happens yeah are going to hear that and say like i don't know if i want to you know he's really going to throw us in jail like you know like here's a threat it's an empty veil threat and the problem here in california as opposed to maryland is people like in maryland will get that threat and be like oh we better we better be mind Um, ourselves and they don't care whereas in california it's like fuck you (laughs) Like, literally anything the governor or mayor says. Here's the other problem, Instantaneous fuck you. For Hogan, that is building his popularity contest. His thing from the beginning has been being anti-Trump. Every time he was anti-Trump, it built that that idea that he's anti-Trump. And he's in a state that is very, although it seems to go blue with the presidential election, literally everything else is nearly split down the middle. Um, The Democrats have a hold on the state house. But it's not a 70-30 split. It's yeah. a 55-45 split. There's a lot of rural areas. There's a lot of places where he can get support. And and I mean, there's a lot of population population basis in the places where it matters for statewide office, but not so much count, you know, like statewide or something yes. like that. Yeah. And so for him, that still builds to the popularity contest. Because you know what? I might be a, a diehard Democrat, but I live in the county and... It's not us who's going out. It's those city. It's those city Democrats that are going out. And you know what? Maybe they should go to jail. And <laughs> I'm law and order, so I can be being again being rich and Democrat is much different than being poor and Democrat. Right. And it's the big tent party. Everyone's welcome, but it's not the same thing. Right. Uh, Bernie Sanders is 70, but he has very few 70 year old supporters. He has a lot of 20 year old supporters. But like I'm thinking about it, like you know, like it. So there was a popular meme with Hogan. When yeah. when the when restrictions started ramping up a little bit in Maryland, where it was like we got hoes in this house, and then a picture of Hogan looking sternly, going like, "How many?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that played into the fact that he was willing to stand up and be strong and do what needed to be done, and uh, you couldn't make that same meme about Newsom. The, the oh no, no. The, anything any meme I would make about Newsom at this point would be like he's like the stepdad who's trying to like. He's like the the dad trying to to lure you away from the stepdad with all the cool things like, hey, you want to go to Disneyland, champ? Like, well, I was gonna say that that works for Newsom too, but it's just about the extramarital affairs. It's not about the the how many uh, how many people are at the party. That's a different part. Uh, and uh, or uh, maybe it's uh, we got hoes in this house, and he's like, French Laundry's back open. I don't know. Like that's yeah, that's the kind of uh, meme for him. But I will say that that uh, Hogan and and Newsom, for some measure, Cuomo, for some measure, I'm just glad to see that the adults are running things again. Um, on top of the state level, at the federal level, we have a COVID task force that has professionals on it that mm-hmm. are doctors and uh, and you know viral specialists, and they're going to be doing briefings every three or three times a week. Yeah. Um, some rationality of saying like. Give us some time because um, also for the first few, it's going to be uh, we put a lot of pages in the binder and now we got to start cutting it down uh, because they were literally handed a, an empty binder, not like literally handed it, but like 
There was no plan. <laughs> the first the first day is just like, uh, yeah, we didn't get much done this weekend because uh, Stephen Miller locked the supply <laughs> closet and uh, took the key. So we had to uh, venture out to his dungeon to retrieve the key. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, only four of us made it back. Four of the five <laughs> made it back. Uh, Steve, we're going to miss you. Um, we won't ever forget your sacrifice. But uh, so we're going to move forward with our plan now. And uh, and then the next <laughs> one is like. Just a picture of Steve in a wreath. <laughs> yeah. The, and then the next one, they're like, so you're not going to believe this, but the he took the paper with him to the dungeon. We had to go back again. Jane, you were one of our favorites. Uh, it, it's just, but that's what we have to expect. But again, seeing adults running things. Yeah. Um, Jen, and I always mess up her last name. Paisecki. Pasky. Pasky. Yeah. That. See, I had a client whose name was spelled the exact same way, and it was Paisecki. Um, the A silent, not the I. I think it's one of those. Uh, how did they start saying it when you got to Ellis Island? Yeah, that became <laughs> that became a thing. Like, you got in two different. Li- you and your yeah. wife got in two different lines. Now you have two different pronunciations. Yeah. Of your name. Or you and your brother, I guess, had two different pronunciations. So, um, but yeah, uh, seeing her uh, and just being like, I-, I don't know. I'll go get you an answer though, rather yeah. than like. Let me make up some policy right here on the spot about this uh, or bring out a big binder full of yeah. sheets of paper and show you how much work we're doing. Um, it's good. Or blame the person asking the question. Well, yes. it's your fault. We're in this situation. <laughs> uh, it just again, having adults run things, whether it's the governor or the president. And I, I'm I want to hold. Uh, I saw a great meme that was just like uh, uh, Democrat Twitter. Thank God we have Biden in. Now we can start celebrating again and life will be good. Leftist Twitter. All right, so it's great that Biden's in, but we still got kids in cages and the COVID numbers are going up. And it's like, that's the difference between the two. Yeah. I will still continue to hold him accountable with some breaks that like you got to get got to get started. But I'm excited about what I'm seeing. There are adults in the room. I mean, uh, you know, traditionally, 100 days has been the the time period in which we we determine how successful the beginning of the presidency has been. Uh, I think that's the reasonable standard by which we get to the point where we can properly judge where we are there's too many things like in the first week there's so much stuff that happens that you know there's a fucking you know 30 different (laughs) executive orders and stuff like that it's gonna take a little while for everything to (laughs) fall into its place also in the first week you usually have all of your um your cabinet ready and they're not doing a debate and vote floor vote on every single one of them well because uh mitch and chuck are having a dick measuring contest about the filibuster right now. So don't make me bring, uh, 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 the vice president down here. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't make me bring her down here for you. You um, want me to tie break? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> in the end, um, Oh, uh, it's, there's so much going on. Uh, I, I'm going to be more forgiving than you are about mm. the hundred days. Because yeah. what I would say is hundred days is a good measure. If it might be 120, if 40 <laughs> days before you get into office, you have a president who's like, Hey, come to the white house. Your people sit down with my people. We're going to hand over things yeah. here. We have great planning already in place. And then you say, this is 80% of what I want to do. We're going to tweak it. And then we're going to do our thing. Right. Instead of, so what do you guys got planned for COVID? Well, so whenever we get vaccine in Jeff, uh, decides where it goes. Like, I mean, Jeff, I, Jeff decides you got to, uh, what I think people don't seem to understand, people who have never done politics or any kind of government work or anything like this before, what is what's unusual is this idea that uh, you, you just flip the switch and it all moves over consistently. Yeah. Like, you know, think about it more like if 
all of a sudden you were going to become the CEO of Amazon. Like <laughs> Jeff Bezos and all his people were going to leave and then you were going to bring in, you know, you still have all the workforce, like the, the, the people upper, on the floor. Yeah. But any management, any upper management, like they're all gone. And you got to not only replace them with your people, but you got to figure out how you're going to run this operation once you come in. Uh, if you just show up on Monday and like there's like no indication of how this was run yeah. for the last couple of years, it's going to take you a little while to like figure it out and like work out the kinks. But I mean, I mean, really- the, the effective part of this is that they have been in office before. Like they yes. they have been in the executive branch before. So uh, there's a lot of experienced people who know how to do that shorthand, but not necessarily like you know, ready to go. And real quick, before we move on a little mm-hmm. bit more to Biden stuff, I just wanted to touch on the, the recall bit a little bit too, because yeah. we kind of went by it, but, uh, I will say this as much as I've joked about <laughs> signing the recall, uh, vote myself, something I won't have to do by the way, because the, uh, good people at the cigarette companies have put this as ballot initiative as, as opposed to something that the state can just vote on. Oh, okay. So, well, that's good. Yeah. Thanks, uh, we got a little companies. bit of time to, <laughs> to get our ducks in a row here. Um, but Newsom, he's not popular in California. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's a popular guy amongst the people that you walk around and talk to. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of people too, who are, uh, confusing California for Twitter and people on Twitter who are saying things about Newsom or Facebook or wherever. Um, I, I, the other day he was, uh, I think it might've been last night. Uh, when the word first started leaking out that he was going to end the stay-at-home order, uh, I went on Twitter and I just started reading comments, just of things that were in the 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 trending part, right? And you'll click on somebody and it'll be like Tony Morrison, and you'll just be like, okay, who is this person? You click on it and it's just like, you know, I work for the, <laughs> the state of Ohio's sanitation department, and you're just like, okay, so. You, you, you shouldn't here. be. You shouldn't be included in this discussion. No, like you can not like Newsom. That's fine. I, I, there are plenty of people in states that you know, like I don't like Ron DeSantis. I don't live in Florida. <laughs> I don't, like I don't get a vote though. Yeah. So and if you look at the tweets that are like hashtag recall Newsom, yeah, it's a lot of people in the South and the Midwest. So. Well, and you know, like there, there's been a lot of talk about how uh, much of the uh, things that have grown from the recall Newsom. Uh, movement have been largely propagated on like the same sort of channels that QAnon is spread hmm. on and weird the weird. other the under underbelly of the Republican Party and something that's weird about California as opposed to other states is that it's so much easier to recall a governor here yeah. or any elected official than it is in any other state I mean like if, if Hogan <laughs> Hogan in Maryland has to literally be convicted of a crime or some like some version of that has to be impeached and removed much like you would. Yeah, there's no there's no recall. No, you're removed by the legislature. Yeah. And then we have a new election. That's right. That's how that works. Yeah. Or you resign in disgrace resign. or whatever. Yeah. However, it happens in California. There's actually a mechanism for the recall. So once Gray Davis went out and Schwarzenegger went in and that famous recall election. Yeah. There's been more talk about like how can we get different like how can we get a uh, uh, Jerry Brown recalled and stuff like that. Well, and, and by the way, and, not that successful before that. No, this but was I a mean, weirdly successful one, and now everybody talks about it. No, but I mean, like there was always kind of a because you have to get signatures in a certain amount of time. Yeah. So if you would see, there would constantly be a uh, recall Jerry Brown thing somewhere in the atmosphere, but yeah. it was like you know four thousand people who really cared about this thing and would sign it, and then it would fail and then they'd start a new one <laughs> and it would never get 
popular enough. I mean, the the threshold is only like 18% of what votes you got in California in the last election. So 18% like, of what the winning candidate received in the previous election. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's it's not a huge bar to over overtake. But I, I think that... Uh, I just I just wish people would think about that in terms of like uh, the people who are who are loudly banging the drum and trying to get this done are people who don't live in California and are taking advantage of the fact that we have an easy system in which to recall a governor. I'm not saying that Gavin Newsom is great or Gavin Newsom deserves to be governor or he's going to yeah. do better than alternatives or anything like that. But the problem is that if you do recall Gavin Newsom, uh, then you, you get into that system where you have a a one uh, a free for all vote where you have 50 different candidates and you know like so you know you get 18 different republicans and 18 democrats and a porn star and you know like schwarzenegger I, yeah schwarzenegger you get all these all these different people competing and it's not the same as the gubernatorial election for california when newsom won was him versus john cox yeah it was the republican versus the democrat after the jungle primary those two were the leaning vote getters so when it came to governor, those were your choices. I mean, yeah. you could write somebody in, but those were your choices. Uh, you know, that's not how it is in the recall election. It's just 50 different candidates and figure it out. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, you could get somebody who's better than Newsom at the end of this whole thing, or you could get somebody who's worse. Uh, and you may uh, luck into getting a movie star who turns out to be a decent governor. Yeah. I mean, you know, Schwarzenegger wasn't really that bad. Not a bad <laughs> governor. Yeah. Um, he was uh, he was Republican in the ways that that I think the people of California agree with. I, yes. I, I do secretly believe that, like, uh, while the voter registration of many people in, in Los Angeles in particular is Democrat, uh, I, I think you get a kind of a fiscally responsible in the streets, but freak in the sheets kind of thing, you know, like where you. Well, the GOP doesn't represent them. That's a, it, Deep South Alabama ain't the kind of Republicans we have here. Right. And they're like, I'm not voting with those guys. So. Well, I'm I mean, like, I, 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 I bet you it, it's just like if you did a straw poll on the on the <laughs> on the streets, I'm sure you would get like uh, high uh, recognition for certain liberal issues mm -hmm. like gay rights or, you know, gender equality or blah, blah, blah. Go down the line. Then you start getting into like taxation and stuff like that. I find you find a lot more of these Democrats be Republicans once well, you. <laughs> Once you dig a little deeper, I, the, you know, the, they've been talking about the third party and with the Republican split. And mm. if the centrist Republican Party doesn't have to deal with the Christian base and the QAnon crazies, I think you might find a lot of Democrats who change over because in reality, they are fiscally conservative, socially liberal. And they're just like, I was a Republican, but I'm OK with gay marriage. Now yeah. I have a Republican Party that's OK with gay marriage. So I'm OK with it. Um, and it, it's. If you can get the church and the QAnoners out into a fringe party, everyone else is kind of like, uh, well, everyone else is kind of a uh, Republican with yeah. who's left. It's fiscal conservancy. And um, I mean, Gavin Newsom is almost a Republican in that case. Joe Biden is a Republican. In I mean, that case. yeah. I mean, if you're looking at the same sort of like, you know, Joe Biden is <laughs> he's his platform is more liberal. Yeah. But him as the person I still feel is. You know, to the right of Clinton. Yes. You know, like when he was president. So his like, platform is a matter of I got to keep these Bernie people voting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm got to keep my house in order. Yeah. Yeah. I got to do what I got to do. Well, getting more into Biden here. Uh, you know, we have the hundred days. Yeah. Uh, 
is there is there anything in particular? I mean, we sort of have multiple crises going on at once. Obviously, the the pandemic is going to be the biggest one. The vaccine rollout. Yeah. Um, is there is there anything in particular, I guess, that you're looking for as far as like a outsider point of view, as far as like what is successful to you? Because like there was, uh, you know, there was talk of like 100 million vaccinations in 100 days as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, there was some quote I saw today where Biden said anybody who wants a, a vaccine by the spring can get one. Yeah. Uh, spring can be, you know, it's up to lot. July, possibly. Yeah, it's a but lot of, <laughs> a lot of day. Oh, yeah. uh, June 22nd uh, is when spring ends. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it, what to you, what to you do you hear and say this was a successful 100 days, 120 days, as opposed to uh, he fell short? Is there is there like a barometer or yardstick you're using? Well, I mean, and so this goes back to the whole like, what do you, should we use the 100 days at all? Because, he came in with almost no transition. First of all, short transition anyway. Yeah. Then a not real transition because people came in and realized like, oh, you guys have just been flying by the seat of your pants the entire time. More than that, we're opening his first hundred days with debate on cabinet secretaries, which almost never happens. You might get debate on one or two, but not all of them. Yeah. And he's getting that. And there's going to be an impeachment trial or at least the discussion of an impeachment trial in the Senate during his first 100 days. And I just don't understand how we can even hold him accountable to the 100 day standard. Yeah. With all of that. Because again, if I make a policy that says first 100 days, 100 uh, million vaccinations, sounds great. And all other things being equal, probably doable, but not doable if I also want to get COVID relief, $1.9 trillion COVID relief, yeah. while the Senate is also doing. Um, Impeachment, impeachment yeah and i'm trying to get my cabinet set and how can we even get the vaccine thing in place because i got two cabinet secretaries who are on that panel and i can't get them confirmed so i i think that 100 days is uh, is too small an amount of time to be focusing on uh what he gets done i think you have to look at more than that um what i would say is when we are considered out of covid i would expect that we met, met all of the things that were promised. Like if we get to the end of the COVID pandemic and there has been no second relief, that's a fail. Yeah. Uh, if we get to the end of the pandemic because all the idiots out here who are going to secret bars have caused herd immunity through everyone getting sick. Yeah. That's a failure because yeah. the vaccine exists. We should be able to get it out. You failed at getting it out. So we got sick instead. Um, if uh, we start making hard decisions like have I imagine have been doing in California hospitals about like, okay, so you're 45, mixed health. I got a 22-year-old USC uh, track star here who has a 100% chance of recovering if I put her in the ICU. You, 50-50, even yeah. with the ICU. So she's going to go in, and if we get space later, I'll put you in. In the meantime, you're in tents in the parking lot. Yes. In the meantime, uh, enjoy our parking lot facility. Uh, (laughs) It's an oxygen tent. What does that mean? It means there's air in here. Uh, It means it's 40 degrees and it's windy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not a good time to be outside in LA. Uh, But if we are doing that until the end, until like uh, Fauci comes out and is like, so here's where we are. We've had 300 million cases of COVID, which means at this point we have herd immunity through death and disease. Uh, so you're probably fine. Then I think we're, we failed. But other than that, I think you can call it a success. I, I think it'll be a lot. Uh, the problem is that you don't want to, you don't want to 
call balls and strikes on every single little thing that comes up in the first 50 days or so because there's a lot of like uh, finding your sea legs for lack of a better term but the I think that once it's once things get moving hopefully things will have a better sense of how well things are going you are know you gonna tell Tucker that well <laughs> I don't know Tucker fucking Fox News has leaned real hard into the Joe Biden secret Antifa super soldier thing and I just don't I don't get it like I I like if you told me, like if you, uh, if I picked you up today and you said, uh, oh, I got to tell you the story about my dad. Uh, he was walking out to the mailbox and there was a bear, and the bear came charging at him. So he grabbed the bear by the two ears and literally ripped it apart, mm-hmm. like half down the middle, to protect himself. I'd be like, that's a bullshit story. That <laughs> I know your dad. He didn't do that. Like your dad's a cool guy, but he's not <laughs> Rip Baron half cool, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's a certain part what of... What if I told you my dad was the head of a pedophile ring out of a pizza uh, place in Denton, Maryland? Still unlikely. A little <laughs> bit more likely than the bear, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> no offense, but, you know... Just functionally, uh, you know. <laughs> there seems to be more likelihood. That's all. Uh, I, I just chose an old man who has been a Democrat his entire life and desperately just wants to be the guy who like, I, I, I really think if you could, if you could wave a magic wand and say, Joe, when you're done with this, you're going to be Jimmy Carter. Yeah. I think he'd be happy with that because yep. I think, you know, Jimmy Carter tried to do the whole unity and let's all bring us together. And you know, I'm a Democrat from the South. It's a yep. little bit different. We can, we can get things done kind of, I mean, I don't think he w- would necessarily want the one-term part of it, uh, but I, honestly, Carter, I think Carter he also that's what he got. I mean, Carter was one-term because he left it all on the field. Like, really? Well, I mean, no, like yeah, if Carter was, wanted to, he was one-term because Reagan made a deal with the Iranians that. Uh, they oh yeah, I know. But I'm saying, like, I'm election. saying, but like you know, H- Carter was hardlining with the uh, the Iranians yeah. up until the end for the benefit of the hostages, but mm-hmm. not for the benefit of his own reelection. No, like no. Nope. And guess who wasn't? Reagan, who was yeah. like, hey, I'll strike a deal with you. You want some missiles? I got missiles for you. Just hold them until after the election, and then uh, we'll Just be good. Just opening up his trench coat and missiles are in there. Yeah, the- yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, if you told Biden you'll be Jimmy Carter at the end of this, I think his second wish after that would be like, well, let's just flash forward four years, though, because I, I don't want to live through all this nonsense. Yeah. I'll just jump to the beloved Former elder, president, yeah. Yeah, and, and let whoever's going to take over this mess afterward just deal with that after that. Um. Because, I mean, like, I, I think really deep down inside, uh, Joe just wants to be the person who, like, binds people together yeah. in some sort of way. And that that's sort of been his his shtick the whole time, which is why, you know, like, he's had friendships and people with people in the Senate who have been, you know, bad news. Like, you know, Strom, Strom Thurmond. And oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, you have to work with these people to get things done. So, you See, know. You forget. Uh, Mitch McConnell's bad, but. There was actual members of the KKK in the Senate for a <laughs> long <Klansman>. time. Klansmen. <laughs> and they were friends with Joe Biden and they supported his crime. And they left. <laughs> um, but uh, and speaking of people who will still be terrible and still be in the Senate, uh, there is an ethics complaint was filed against uh, several senators. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I have a picture of them because you guys probably don't know who the first one is. And I keep mispronouncing his first name. Josh Hawley. Uh is I thought it was Halsey. Halsey. No. Ha- Halsey. Halsey. No. Holly. Holly. 
Josh Hawley and uh, the uh, the Wolverine esque character on his left is uh, Ted Cruz. Who you may not recognize Ted Cruz. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Ted Cruz is just like letting it all out. I I, I almost appreciate. Uh, I don't know Ted who Cruz. told him to do that beard. It's not a. He's going for elder statesman, and he's coming off a little bit like pedophile priest. Honestly, that's what. Uh, it's not even that. It's just like mm. uh, I I for a long time could not grow straight facial hair. Like up until it, it today, was, yeah. I mean, still. it was patchy as hell for so long in my life, and. You know, like every young person who has trouble growing facial hair, sometimes you just let it go a little bit and it's mm-hmm. patchy and it's disgusting, but you're just like, got to let it grow, got to shave go. it, got to yep. let it go, got to shave it. Uh, and eventually, one day, it'll be a strong beard that I can mm-hmm. be proud of. Uh, a lot of single it, years for Corey back in the day. It, it looks like Ted Cruz is basically having that with his old man beard. Yeah. Like he's having a patchy old man beard <laughs> that's trying to break through. Now, and to be fair, it's not patchy. It's just white. And uh, I, think I mean, he, the patches of white yeah, is what he makes it look like. It makes him look distinguished. Yeah, and it doesn't. It makes him look bad. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I only mention it because you're going to hear about it this week. Uh, ethics complaint filed. Uh, the reality of it is uh, no senator has a backbone. Uh, and what will eventually happen is a censure without a censure, which is don't you dare do that again. Now, we're not going to take away your right to vote or speak yeah. or anything, but don't do it again. Yeah. And that'll be it. Slap on the wrist. Yep. I I uh I called Diane's office this week uh because she put out some sort of ridiculous fucking statement where it's just like you know the Senate is a place for debate and I feel like people who try to actively overthrow the government should be allowed to debate as well. So I called up and I said like, hey, what the fuck? And then her office said, uh, oh, the quote was mis- misconstrued, and I'm just like, the quote should read, <laughs> I'm going to curb stomp Ted Cruz tonight. If he doesn't straighten up his act. Hey, you remember when there was a senator who got beat with a cane on the floor of the Senate? <laughs> Second time around, yeah. coming up. Just yeah. let me get close enough to him. There's a reason they keep me on the other side of the aisle, because he knows what will happen to him. Fucking Diane. <laughs> watch, the, watch the Night Stalker documentary. Oh, my God. I was so angry. I was so angry. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, the best part, though was uh when rob caught up to me because I, I i watched it right away mm-hmm. and uh got through it like in two nights or whatever uh and i got to the part i'm just like are you watching the night stalker <laughs> keep going wait wait till you, wait till they get to san francisco you'll see some shit and then all of a sudden i get the text where it's just like fucking diane <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i don't want to spoil it for anybody but like that will be your reaction when you get to that part of the th- the uh documentary just... 50 years in politics 50 years always fucking wrong never right once like oh yeah oh uh, i mean oh uh, wait uh what is we're gonna start a new podcast on the network and i've lost the name of it um, <laughs> not today diane or whatever uh that's enough <laughs> that's diane <laughs> yeah so new show coming in the next few uh weeks once everything gets rolling with Biden, we're gonna start calling it the that's enough diane and we're just gonna point out the shitty things that diane feinstein does from day to day until she uh announces she's not gonna run for re-election yeah uh couldn't she couldn't she be thrown out with ted cruz and josh holly just because i mean they're not gonna throw them out either but like uh, we could just give her a censure like don't do it again well what did i do all of it just a career's worth of everything. Schumer walks in the door of Mitch McConnell's office, just swings open. He comes up to the desk. He's like, listen, we got to get rid of Josh Ali and Ted Cruz. I'm willing to give you Diane. Deal. <laughs> Let's go. Listen, you get Diane. You do whatever you want to her on the front lawn. I'll take Ted and Josh in the back. Out to the woodshed in the yeah. back. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, one other big story out of DC. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, the the cameras are rolling. Like Diane Feinstein is literally getting hanged. <laughs> in front meanwhile josh josh ollie and ted cruz are just like now you go away and don't run for office for two years (laughs) (laughs) republicans Um, are always winning one other story uh out of dc uh that i know Corey is super excited about uh the emoluments calls claws case has finally made its way to the supreme court and it's going to be thrown onto the spring calendar we're going to have a full and fair debate about it both sides will be heard sometimes rob forgets this is an audio podcast and people can't <laughs> hear me shaking my head as violently as i try it just doesn't come through um yeah so uh amalia's clause case uh the one brought by maryland about the trump hotel well in maryland by a hotel company yeah yes uh was uh no but frost brought that up right um, uh, on behalf of somebody else, but uh, Maybe, the original yeah, yeah, yeah. case was just a company, and then the Versus attorney Trump. general yeah. stepped in to take it because gotcha. There are issues of of statewide importance, right? Uh, well, according to the Supreme Court, we don't know for sure because uh, we haven't gotten this kind of illumination yet from the Supreme Court as to why they denied the petition. But uh, more or less, uh, Trump's not in office anymore, so what's the matter? I guess is the basic <laughs> just a. How most people are feeling about this, which is not the part of the reason why I'm in support of uh, continuing along with the impeachment in the Senate of Trump Mm -hmm. is because I feel like if you don't draw the line in the sand, somebody else is just going to do it again in the future. And if this isn't impeachable, then I don't know what is. I mean, so, what's stopping me when I become president from being like, oh, I lost the election. All right. So three months of. Civil war. Let's yeah. try to civil war this bitch out. And then, yes, if we lose, you go to jail. But if we win, We're I get to We're still in charge. Uh, you know. I, I, I just, uh, it's so irritating. <laughs> That's the uh, Supreme Court wouldn't even, even bother to let this thing be heard. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, I'm almost certain they'll dump the denial in the March dump where it's like, here's our decisions on all the cases. Sometimes they announce it ahead of time or like when they make the decision but when they want to hide something it's tucked in on page 2700 of all the decisions from the term so yeah that's where it'll be and i mean like you know it i it wonders i wonder too having a third of the court be trump appointed supreme court justices hmm. uh how much the idea that they didn't want like you know like how how much are they still carrying weight for for Trump and his nonsense kind of thing. That, yeah. That's something that that sticks with me just because, uh, you know, like they didn't have the chance to be the arbiter of an election that was so close that the Supreme Court t- could decide it. Um, and that was evident by the fact that they didn't hear the case that got brought up to the Supreme yeah. Court uh, by Texas. I, this one could have been very clarifying for uh, law going forward and how we are able to keep checks on the the checkbook of the the people who are in charge. Like, uh, again, Jimmy Carter sold, won an election because he was a peanut farmer from Georgia and then promptly sold the peanut farm to avoid the appearance of impropriety. And then Donald Trump refused to put any of his assets in a blind trust yeah. and had his son, who was running the company, in the White House with him, where it's like, hey, yeah, we just talked about this country. Uh, You might want to move our assets away from that because it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, about to drop some bombs on it. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, 
if it wasn't enough weapons in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, Corey's favorite congressman <laughs> was uh, back in the news uh, about his weapon in, uh, and that sounds like a double entendre. Maybe it was. <laughs> Maybe that's all he was packing, uh, and he got called out by Congress. But <laughs> I can't take that dildo. I don't have a license. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Andy Harris, uh, who is the congressman from the 1st, uh, first district of Maryland. Uh, they so here's uh, so if you guys don't know this, they there are pins that are worn by congressmen and their staff that allow them to walk around magnometers. And uh, I had one of those pins for the courthouse. It allows me that when there's a long line, I can just sidestep the whole line and be like, "Hey, um, I'm here's my ID. Can I be, go?" And they let me go in the court without being scanned. Yeah. The assumption being. He's You're in here. He's in here three times a week. He's probably not going to be the one who uh, shoots up the place. Yeah, yeah, and not such so, so a strong assumption on their part. But for Andy Harris, <laughs> uh, theoretically, it'd be good. Except for now, they have to go through the magnometers uh, by the order of the uh, speaker, and he apparently stepped up to the magnometer. Yeah, it went off. They wanted him, and then found what set off it, and then he said. Oh wait! Apparently, some security at the at the point was like making the motion of There's like a holster and a gun yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, he tried to to uh, give the item to another congressman, and that congressman's staff responded with, uh, "Well, the congressman wasn't able to take the item because he didn't have a license." And there are very few things you need a license for in yeah. D.C. It wasn't weed. You don't need a license to have weed in yeah, D.C. Yeah, it's decriminalized, so you could you could carry it for a friend. That 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 one holds up. Yeah, also wouldn't uh, set off a McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, if it was real sticky, I don't know. <laughs> also maybe. wouldn't make the, 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 the security. <laughs> Yo, I think he's got a joint. <laughs> uh, so um, basically, Andy Harris is crazy. Uh, and I really wish that somebody would just step up and yeah, try to take him down in the next election. Good news. Uh, friend of the podcast, Matt Talley, is uh, preparing a run for the first congressional district. Good news. Uh, yeah. Talk to him last week about it. And uh, we will have him on at some point to discuss all good things. Andy Harris and the first district. Excellent. Um, but, you know, uh, in the meantime, I I don't think that Andy Harris... Uh, I I think Andy Harris has a prop gun, and I'm not saying it's not a real gun. I'm just saying he's using it for a prop, because uh, much like the example of Rob's dad ripping a bear apart in half. Yeah. If I were to make a list of people who would not be able to accurately handle a firearm, Andy Harris would be right up at the top of that list. Yeah. I yeah. would trust Betty White to be able to hit targets better than Andy Harris would. And I, I really do think that the only reason that he would go through with the charade of, like, walking towards the metal detector, having it go off, him doing this Ooh. whole, like, is so that people would write about it in the papers or people like us would talk about it on our podcast. And then Andy Harris would would uh, endear himself to the gun-loving Second Amendment believers of the, the First District of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I he tried to pick a fight with a former linebacker, yeah. uh, <laughs> who's now a uh, congressman. Yeah, yeah uh, not too long ago. I, I think Andy Harris has uh, gone around the bend a bit here. Um, uh, wait, wait, gone around the bend? Uh, he might have gone further. He's been well, I mean, crazy he's, since the beginning. He's already he's already wily coyoted himself like off the ledge. Yes. and now he's yeah. like looking down. On his fall, he's finding a bend to go. <laughs> like that's the, that's the basic, 
Yeah, uh, I don't understand what... Again, the only logical thing is I want to bring these crazy QAnon Trumpers onto my side. And how do I do that? Second Amendment seems like a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, I I say often about uh, producer Roberto, who hasn't been here in in two months, uh, who is also a a strong supporter of uh, carrying weapons, whether it be a gun or not, uh, that someday we are going to find him um, having been robbed. And the weapon will still be in the holster and the pants will be full of piss because (laughs) that is all I can expect. It's that like at the moment where it's supposed to, I'm going to be brave and come out with it. You're just going to piss your pants and give your wallet to the guy. So why all the tough talk? And that's Andy Harris. Even if he had the gun on him. He's an anesthesiologist. He's not a... (laughs) There's a more likelihood of you being like, I have a gun on me and that guy being like, give me the gun. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's the gun. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> and being like, I don't even know how it works. <laughs> yeah. Or like, he just pulls out like a bar of soap that's been carved in the shape of a gun. Yeah. He's be like, that's uh, my gun. Like, I'm going to kill you just because of this. Because this is what you did. You deserve <laughs> that. I, I, I will never understand. The fact that, that uh, it, it's just like we were talking about uh, a long time back, uh, you know, six months ago or whatever it was. <laughs> a lifetime. Uh, a lifetime, lifetime ago. ago. When uh, Ted Yoho called AOC a bitch, yeah. and I was just like, this isn't because of some, like, you know, I'm sure he hates her, but like, this isn't because of anything in particular. It's because people are going to talk about him saying that, and it's going to be more valuable for him in his district that he was the one who called AOC a bitch. So, therefore, it, it works out for him regardless of whether or not uh, he gets shunned by his colleagues for it. But, like, I'm glad we were wrong about that and that he lost his reelection and he will be out of the Congress <laughs> and replaced by somebody who's even more <laughs> right than him. Uh, is, uh, I mean, like, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know what to say about Andy. Where <laughs> he's just, he's, uh, he so desperately wants to be a part of some club. Like, you can tell, like, he just. He wants to be a Holly or Cruz so bad, and he, yeah. he's just like not like. He's not an anesthesiologist. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a real doctor. I mean, it's a real doctor, but it's like not the cool doctors. You're yeah. like, is there a doctor in the house? And he's like, I'm an anesthesiologist. Yeah, I mean, you're, not, you're not. You're not Ben Carson. You're not brain surgeon. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're there while he's doing the brain surgery. But you were there really. for the beginning of it, and yeah. maybe a little. You would come in and check every once in a while, make sure that the person's not awake yet. Just lean in <laughs> with a sandwich, like everything. Everything good? Are we good? Still alive? Okay. Anyone need soda? Done? I'm running down the mess. <laughs> uh, but while somewhere we, some anesthesiologist is listening to us, going like, they have no idea what we do. <laughs> Listen, I know you're there the whole time. It's very important. Uh, unconsciousness just, and death are very similar. We have to walk a fine line. I again. just, I just want to make it perfectly clear to any anesthesiologist who is listen, listening to me: you're doing the Lord's work. Yes. I appreciate everything you do, unless your name is Andy Harris, and you can go fuck yourself. That's, yeah, and also <laughs> that's the basic. If you're a member of a professional association of anesthesiologists, let's get Andy Harris out of that, shall we? Let's, <laughs> let's just. Uh, he doesn't doesn't need to be in there. Yeah, um, he needs to be thrown out of the bar of anesthesiologists. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but I imagine there is one of those. Yeah. Like, like I would say the bar, but it's not the bar. Whatever it is, the group, but the association. Um, but while we are uh, talking about the first, district, I wonder if their minutes include a nap. <laughs> no, are you, are, you pr- are you proud of that? <laughs> it just gave. To are me. you proud of that? It just gave to me. Sorry. Uh, while we are in Maryland talking about the first district, it seems only appropriate that uh, you know we take a trip down to the Baltimore corner, where you get the straight dope. Absolutely. 
And it worked this time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, you brought uh, this to my attention. So I wanted uh, to give you the, uh, the go on this one. Yeah, so uh, the ACLU of Maryland uh, decided that they were going to... Uh, that socialist institution! <laughs> exactly. Uh, they were going to go through uh, arrest records and various other pieces of information that they had that were anonymized about police officers in Baltimore. And they were going to try and de-anonymize it. And basically, they came up with this uh, with this uh, uh, report that they released. And uh, the numbers are kind of shocking of not only people who are not on the force anymore, but people who are still on the force. Well, uh, the gun trace task force numbers are unbelievable. <laughs> Something to see, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, hold on, let me. I'm trying to pull it up right yeah, now. Yeah, I see you pulling. Uh, it's, but uh, so this is a. By the way, ACLU uh, for all the shit they get, um, they defend the KKK because they believe that when you draw the line of free speech, free speech means free speech. That's what it means. And um, the old uh, quote from um, the American president: uh, "Free speech means standing by while somebody screams at the top of their lungs." about something for which you would scream at the top of yours against. That's how it is. Uh, and they're also called a liberal institution because, you know, they believe in things like rights. Uh, but yeah. they're not either one of those things. Uh, knowing members of the ACLU, there are very conservative people in the ACLU that just believe in the Constitution means what it means. Free speech means free speech. Free press means free press. And uh, Scalia wasn't a member of the ACLU, but somebody like him might be because yeah. of that that factor of like we stand by the Constitution. Well, let's uh, let's look at this a little bit here. So uh, oh, quality vamping. Did you see that? Yeah, man. God. Good job. Fucking professional. Um, gun, let's separate some gun trace task force people first. Just of uh, out, out the hand. OK. Um, Wayne Jenkins, 227 complaints Ooh. from. 2015 to 2019 now now wait a second now uh there has been some some uh argument about how valid these numbers are but i am going to be of the mind that somebody did a lot of work and put together some numbers and i have not gotten the same thing from the baltimore police department in return for literally any police officer who has done anything wrong over the last uh two centuries so uh i'm going to <laughs> I would like to uh, hold this as uh, the numbers until somebody tells me otherwise. Prove it. Yeah. Prove otherwise. If uh, Baltimore Police Department wants to talk about how many complaints are against their police officers in real life, I'm happy to li to read that report as well. Now, um, wait, Wayne Jenkins, um, he was an officer for the entire period between 2015 and 2019? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, he was arrested in 2016. So wow. uh, that, that would have been a 2015 to 2016 Woo. Complaints. Well, some of these other numbers are four years worth. He got his out of the way in one. Well, I mean, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these GTTF officers would be in the same boat. So, Avadio Hendricks, one hundred sixty-four. Marcus Taylor, one sixty-one. Daniel Herschel, one thirty. People, people in Baltimore who have uh, experienced Herschel before will probably say that the number from twenty fifteen prior would be qu yes. quite outrageous. Um, one hundred nineteen for Maurice Ward. One hundred seven for Jamel Ram. Uh, Mamadou Gondo at 56 Like falling listen, back a little bit To be fair some of these were filed After they were charged Because right. they, people were frightened into not reporting it Until they were in cuffs Yeah um, But there are people 
much like I brought up Herschel, there are a lot of people who know the names Steve Mahan and Joseph Donato on the streets of Baltimore. Yeah. Two people who are currently in uniform, currently doing police work, and uh, each of them has 86 and 66 uh, complaints against them, according to this ACLU report. Well, so again, my, that's only 20 per year, Corey. That's not that many. I mean, you work... And here, 200 days a year? And here's going to be a small level of defense that I will give to police and to the police department. Uh, I know that even if you do everything 100% by the book and you never, never do anything untoward uh, or outside of the scope of your job as a police officer, you will get complaints. Yes. Some people will complain because they think this is a means by getting out of the thing that you legally arrested them for. Mm-hmm. People will complain because, you know, they feel like it because you arrested them and now they have to complain against you. I, I get that there's a, a degree to which that happens. And I'm willing, uh, you know, if, if somebody comes, if Baltimore Police Department says like, hey, this guy only had 15 complaints in the last 10 years and all of them were easily dismissed. Okay. I'm fine. Yeah. No, I'm I'm fine. I also, understand. I understand how this works. I you're showing your bias, be- Corey, because you're not mentioning how many of these were sustained. Right. Now, if her, if if uh, Jenkins has 225 and 200 of them are sustained, well, then the, the police department is doing their job. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the problem is that you know Jenkins, for instance, mm-hmm. was uh, the subject of an IA report mm-hmm. uh, for you know lying to uh, on official documents and. Uh, fabricating evidence and breaking into somebody's apartment. Uh, and for that, it went through the IA process. Mm-hmm. They recommended a demotion. They recommended a suspension. And none of that happened. Uh, and he just uh. went on to being the the head of the GTTF shortly thereafter. Uh, but there, there's... Uh, I need the Baltimore Police Department to come up with a way to make this right somehow. Because... I'm not again, I'm not saying that uh, that officers can't have a certain number of complaints against them. I, I think that would be part of the normal everyday thing. But 86 complaints against Mahan. Right. At what point, what number in your mind do you say that seems like it's too many? I mean, it'd be like if I said I went to the basketball game tonight and LeBron James scored 397 points. You'd be oh, like that's a lot. Seems like that's way more points than he usually scores. Yeah. yeah. And not just by a little bit, by a substantial amount. You'd be like, I'm pretty sure you mean 37 points. He scored 37 points tonight. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, okay, well, somewhere between 37 and 379, we have to figure out at what point. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, somewhere, somewhere here, uh, you know, 86 complaints, 15 15 maybe are like I, I don't know I tell me because all I have right now is a lot of complaints against people who are currently on the force and I've had I've heard complaints used in the other way by people who live in the city who have yeah. been terrorized by these people and it doesn't seem like anything gets done well, so again though I want to see it tied to another number because he had 86 complaints yeah 15 sustained yeah Okay, well, so... What are those 15? Well, a quarter of them get sustained, and all the ones that are sustained are about putting someone roughly in a cop car. So you know what? I'm going to guess he puts people roughly in a cop car. But maybe this one about, you know, uh, beating somebody with a gun aren't true, although both of those are are acts of violence, so maybe not. Um, 
oh, 15 of them were driving while intoxicated in the patrol car. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to believe that maybe he just thinks he can drive while drunk in the car. And in the future, we should probably avoid that. Uh, but maybe the ones about beating suspects aren't true. So, like, one of the one of the names here, uh, which another thing that, that's uh, fantastic about this list uh, or this report put together is that these these names are all public publicly available. Yeah. You can go to BBD uh, Cop Watch and well, look at look at the uh, publicly available information on all these officers. Unless you're marching in Baltimore, then they take their name tags. Off, <laughs> so you don't know which one it is. Um, Richard King. Mm-hmm. On this list, uh, complaints sustained against Baltimore police officers. Uh, he has 40 sustained complaints. And he's the number one, right? Uh, I mean, like on this list of sustained ones, I saw, oh, I lost my place. Anyway, um, but sustained complaints. Seven for discourtesy, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that one is where some of the uh, I, some I'm, of the reasonable ones can I'm be. I'm not saying you should be fired for that. Because, yeah. yeah, being rude to a guy who... You know, is who committed a felony? I, I, I cursing your name and fought you to get in the cuffs, and you're just like, no, fuck you. Okay, yeah. that's discourteous. You shouldn't do that. But you know. it's not a fireable offense on, yeah, under normal I, circumstances. I mean, false arrest, imprisonment. Okay. That one gets a little bit dicey. But you know, there's a there's a there's a situation going on in the street, and uh, I needed to put this guy in the back of the cop car while we figured it out. Yeah. I and mean, technically, I, that could be as, a false arrest. As soon as I figured it out, I let him go. But for the period he was in the car, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Okay, great. What are the details? But, you know. You know, but assault. I, it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> Firearms regulations, which basically means improper use of the firearm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, medical leave violation, which means that you said that you were on medical <laughs> and you weren't. Uh, and Getting D- paid for sitting at home. And DUI. This is just one officer yeah. who has... Uh, Multiple sustained complaints about the same sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Carl Ross, who's on this list with 22 sustained complaints as 11 of them being child pornography. Hmm. I think we're uh, I think we're at the wash our hands of this gentleman yes. phase. Of yeah. The- well, but here's the thing. <laughs> and though. some of these people, by the way, you know, like obviously we talked about GTTF members who are currently in prison. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, this list is of people who are currently on the force and people who are fired or let go or mm-hmm. in another police department or something like or that. Or in jail. Uh, child jail. pornography guy is in jail. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, most of the ones that were sustained were sustained from the trial in which he admitted that, yes, he right. had done those things. Um, I, I think the bigger issue, not the bigger issue, but a big issue, is that the names at the top of the list of complaints are a lot of white guys. And the names at the top of the sustained list are a lot of black guys. And I got to ask, you know, to all of those guys who believe in your hearts that blue is more important than your skin color uh it seems like you're getting thrown under the bus a lot to get those sustained numbers up um when jenkins had no sustained before he was arrested and convicted of a crime <laughs> well he had plenty of sustained they just looked the other way on them. well I, I guess that's true too there's no punishment for the yeah. sustained anyway yeah yeah the punishment is really the issue <laughs> i uh and you know what? I, I again, this is these numbers could be one hundred percent totally false. I'm not saying that I believe them wholeheartedly. Uh, Justin Fenton, the venerable crime reporter for the Baltimore Sun, said something about uh, that uh, the complaints against Jenkins was somewhere more in the area of a hundred, mm-hmm. based off of the trial, and that would have been for his entire career, so not just the one year. Maybe. Um, 
whether or not you're taking charges and now turning them in complaints or like, however, Maryland, yeah. the ACLU hasn't been uh, as forthright as I would like about how they exactly got to these numbers. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I think we talked about this with Harvey a long time ago, where it's just like the allegation came out and he's just like, it came out improperly. You shouldn't do this. It's just yeah. Like, well, the allegations out now, so yeah. let's uh, let's deal with it. Maybe you respond <laughs> and the response to your response will have how our system worked and how yeah. we built this out. And then we'll see who's right. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I need, uh, I need the Baltimore police to, uh, come out with something concrete about well, agree, this. I, and not only that, but, uh, it, they're, they're, I'm sure they're immediately going to hide behind the officer bill of rights. So you're expecting them. too much. They have 28 days where they can <laughs> wait on any allegation talk and to then each they other have to get be their interviewed, story yeah. right and then put out what the response is yeah. so that's what they're just following the officer's bill of rights <laughs> uh perhaps this is uh, uh, the the legislature is in session right now right i uh, yes they are i think they're talking about the officer's bill of rights i i think uh, maybe perhaps it should be moved closer to the top of the list because it's always on the agenda <laughs> just never seems <laughs> never, to get there never on the floor always hey, on the agenda never on the floor you know what does seem to get there on time every single mo- uh, every single year something about gambling oh that uh i just meant the the checks from the pba to the guys yeah. in annapolis yeah, yeah. always seem to get there on time and never seems to make it up the agenda um one last point to this uh brandon scott yes <laughs> new mayor brandon scott we uh much like Biden and his hundred days, I, I don't feel like it's it's right to say how successful or not successful Brandon Scott has been so far. He's got a lot on his plate with the pandemic and all, um, which obviously other mayors, governors, uh, presidents have to deal with as well. So it's not a, a unique problem, but certainly a problem he has to deal with. Uh, this to me is a, a big first test because he talked a lot of game about wanting to get the police department under control, get crime under control. And uh, uh, this is an opportunity to do so. And I have not heard a single word from Brandon Scott (laughs) about what he intends to do about these uh, shocking numbers. I, again, you know, all these numbers could be bullshit. Uh, You know, Mahan could have two complaints against him and both of them have been thrown out categorically. Uh, Not true. That's fine. I I would like to see the I would like to hear more. I would like to know specifics. Yeah. Because right now I feel like a satisfying lack of conclusion here. There is not a uh the allegation has been laid and everyone's just sort of looking at it like do we just ignore it until it goes away or <laughs> that's my Well, that that would be how Baltimore operates. <laughs> so yeah, just if we just don't say anything, it'll go away in like 2 months. It'll be fine. Just, just ignore it. It's Spy fine. plane? People don't even talk about that anymore. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, of course uh, we are going to close out because uh, not this week, but next week there will be a big event. But this week we decided who's going to be participating in the big event. But uh, that of course requires let's talk about sports ball. And it wouldn't be a Super Bowl if we didn't mention the name Tom Brady. So I mean, uh, I would prefer <laughs> if we had a Super Bowl where we didn't talk about him. Unlike 48% of all of the Super Bowls ever, ever held. No, no. 48% of the ones that he was a lot, or he's been in the league for. That he's been in the league for. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. 18% of all the Super Bowls. Oh, so Tom only Brady. 20% yeah. of the Super Bowls. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. 50% of the ones he's been in the league for. By the way, maybe that's a more stark detail. He's been in the league for... 
50% of the Super Bowls, 20% of those are the all of the Super Bowls. That's yeah. a lot. That's a, that's a, a lot of the Super Bowls. Yeah. Yeah. It's been here a long time. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. It will be uh, a rematch with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and obviously, there's been a lot of uh, praise being thrown at Brady because uh, he's managed to bring yet another team to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't know what to really say about this other than clearly Brady is the most decorated quarterback in terms of championships that the NFL has ever seen. And, uh, certainly a, one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever played, but I still, I know I sound like a hater and I know it sounds like I have, I, I, you know, people shouldn't have anything to say about Brady at this point, but yet here I am. Uh, I still don't think he was the most talented quarterback in terms of skill, you know, ability, like, it, I still think, uh, if you had put both Brady and Rogers in the same situation on the bats, you know, we could be talking about Rogers just the same as we could be talking about Brady. Uh, if I can, Corey, I'd like to read my response to uh, our fantasy football chat, yeah. which is doing a lot of jerking off uh, Tom Brady this evening. <laughs> and uh, this is what I said to them. Um, Superman isn't that super. On his planet, he's average. But under a yellow sun, he looks super compared to us. That's Brady. Yeah. Um, he looks like a fantastic quarterback. He also came of age and grew in competence under Bill Belichick. If Aaron Rodgers had been drafted as Drew Bledsoe's backup, because remember, that's where this started. Drew Bledsoe had an injury and went down, and Tom Brady went in, and we're like, well, I guess we're going to have to fill this in for the rest of the season. And then 25 years later, apparently, <clears throat> he's still starting games. Um, but if Aaron Rodgers had been there, he might be Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, they're still both playing football. Um Drew Bla and uh, Aaron Rodgers backed up Brett Favre, patiently waiting for Favre to retire through injury and everything else. Unlike, you know, some other people who might have, I don't know, I'm not going to say it was a Tanya Harding situation <laughs> to get into the starting lineup, but I'm not going to say it wasn't That either. Tom Brady didn't take out Drew Bledsoe? I'm not going to say that, that. I'm not going to say whether he did or he I'm, didn't. That's for, I'm that's looking for history. For, I'm looking forward to the podcast series about that one. <laughs> I will 100% subscribe. All I'm uh, saying is Aaron Rodgers patiently waited for Brett Favre to uh, decide he didn't want to play football anymore two years after he should have. I, I think Brady is uh, Brady is not Jordan. No. In my mind. Jordan is not only, I mean, like, really the, the comparison would probably be Kareem because I think he has more championships than Jordan does at this point with the Lakers. I can't remember. No, I think they both. Or Russell has, like, 11. So let's use Bill yes. Russell. Okay, right? yeah. Uh, Bill Russell is not the best basketball player who ever played. Just won Pe a lot of championships. People who saw him said he was amongst the best. Yep. He was, you know, you, you could make a, a reasonable argument for him and Jordan, him and LeBron. Uh, but there were different circumstances for different athletes as far as like why his dad wasn't murdered in the middle of his NBA career. Yeah. That, I mean, that happened. Yeah. True. <laughs> don't, know, don't know what else to say about that. Didn't take three years off in his prime to go play a different professional sport. So. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I do, th you know, there, there's kind of like a Bill Russell, you know, Bill Russell is going to be remembered as one of the best who ever played. Mm -hmm. I think. Tom Brady, much in the same way, is going to be remembered as one of the best quarterbacks who ever played football. But it's one of those uh, 
I think I would like to have Tom. It, it, if you had one of those uh, start a franchise and you could pick any quarterback throughout history in their prime. Yeah. I don't know if Brady is more talented or more valuable than any other top quarterback that you could bring up as, you know, Montana or, or you know, uh, Randall <laughs> Johnny Cunningham. U or, well, yeah, but I'm saying like the, if you put Stafford on the, on the, the pads. Oh yeah. And yeah. let him be the guy who got brought up by, by Belichick. <laughs> Instead I, of getting sacked 40 times a game for the first four years. <laughs> I, I, and again, this is not saying that Brady isn't talented and not deserving of all the praise. And especially at this moment, bringing a second team to the Super Bowl and all. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that unlike almost any other sport, football has the being a top quarterback in football doesn't necessarily mean that you and you alone did it. Yeah. Sometimes you did. Sometimes sometimes the coach was dog shit. The offensive line was dog shit. You had no offensive weapons. And somehow you still managed to be super successful every year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady didn't have to worry about that. Tom Brady had sometimes you have every, the Patriot way. Every year up until now, he had the best coach in the league. Yeah, um, and I like that, your example. That's a, huge, that's a huge thing that you just can't can't ever get past. Your, like, your example that you mentioned in the pre-show, which was he would have an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. They would leave to go be head coaches other places, and those teams wouldn't succeed. Yeah, they'd be replaced by somebody on the staff, and they continue to succeed. Yeah. that says something about the head coach. And the way that they do things there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, they obviously had talented players. You know, they, they had their Gronks and their Randy Mosses yeah. and stuff like that. There, there were plenty of people who played with, with Brady. He, he didn't always have all the weapons. So clearly there were years where he did a lot more to bring the team to the. But I really do. Uh, you know, I think part of the reason why Brady is in the position to be able to do this with the Bucks now is first signing a Brady. Uh, signing Brady in the offseason was kind of a a sign to people that like we are going to compete this year. We yeah. are trying to win the Super Bowl and therefore we are going to do anything we can to win this. You know, they brought in a lot of pieces to try and win the yep. Super Bowl. Uh, I think Brady helps you because having somebody with that kind of experience and that kind of know-how uh, is valuable in being able to get to that point. Uh, you know, and Brady's uh, yesterday he was throwing ropes. He was doing good. He, he looked like vintage Tom Brady, but at yep. the same time, like he's not, you know, I he's not a he's not a perfect quarterback in the sense that like he is clearly one hundred percent better than anyone else on the field. No, like Mahomes in terms of like pure talent is better than Brady at this point. And and this is, he may outperform. You know, Brady him. is obviously twenty five years <laughs> older than him. But in, like, in the long term, he may outperform him. But yeah. I, I, using the Matthew Stafford example again, it's hard to look like Brady at Brady's age for Stafford because he spent half the times he dropped back underneath a defensive tackle yeah and you don't make it 20 years in the league when the first five years you're getting sacked <laughs> meanwhile times if a you game. breathe on brady you're going to you're, you're not only not only are you out of the game not only you're suspended but you're out of football we don't even want to hear from you and, and you know 2006 how dare you look at Don brady that way 2006 wasn't that way but they had a really good line and really good training to yeah. get that line ready and Detroit did not have that. And Stafford is just like, all right, I got no one to hand off to and nobody to throw to. So here's the plan. Half the times I drop back, I'm just going to lay down and let him flop on top yeah. of me. And then I'm going to try to make something work with the other time. Well, okay. I mean, like, you know, like uh, Rodgers yesterday broke a record of most consecutive games with two, at least two touchdowns in a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, that record was Joe Flacco's before that. Hmm. Joe Flacco. <laughs> for as much as people want to say, want to have that elite question with him. I would say regular season Joe was a good 
serviceable quarterback. Yeah. Postseason Joe was a completely different beast. That was that was a man who showed up to showed up to play in the postseason. Like Joe Ice. Yeah. Uh, I I just uh I think that there's situations where people are put in that they can you know Joe Flacco had one coach his entire career, much like yep. uh, Brady did with Belichick for up until this year, obviously. But you know Joe also had six different offensive coordinators who were bringing in different offenses every single time there were you know new faces all over the place he never had a wide receiver worth a damn other than like tory smith a little bit and steve smith like at the end of their careers yeah like Mm -hmm. you know Derek mason at the end of the career and anquan bolden like there were there were fine players but there wasn't anyone there was never a randy moss yes (laughs) there was never a reliable target like julian edelman or someone like that and uh, uh, no Gronkowski until no Gronkowski. the end of uh, the last season of Joe is when we finally got some. I mean, he had good tight ends like he had heap and stuff like that. But uh, Todd Heap was like a under or oversized wide receiver as opposed to a a Gronk. I mean, Gronk's literally a giant person. Yes, <laughs> like, he's uh, but he's also Todd a line, Heap was like a normal person. He's a lineman who catches. And yeah. uh, Todd Heap was an oversized wide receiver yeah. who we just put at the end of the line. So. Yeah, a bigger wide receiver. It's a little different. Yeah. A little different when you have a lineman who can run versus a wide receiver who can kind of block. So. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get into uh, predictions and all that sort of stuff as we go. I, I, I'm excited for the Super Bowl, though. I think it's going to be fine. I, as much as I'm tired of seeing Tom Brady here, it's, yeah. a, it's an incredible accomplishment. Uh, and... Uh, you know, we laughed about it probably at the beginning of the season. I'm sure if we go back and look at our thoughts on Tom Brady signing oh. with the Bucks, We said it's we are, Belichick versus Brady, yeah. and who's going to end up in the Super Bowl? Well, Tom ended up in the Super Bowl. Belichick had no chance, though. This season, the, this, he, this he Patriots team. He took that team, team to the playoffs. <laughs> the, that, that Patriots team probably under any other coach would have been, you know, 2-14 and 14 or yeah. something, something horrible. The, that team was really wrecked, and the fact that, Belichick got quality wins out of that team was kind of amazing. Uh, I don't know. It's just funny. It's just interesting. And uh, we'll have more to say about that uh, coming up next week. Yeah. Uh, but, I was going to say, you mentioned in there uh, keeping his hands to himself. Uh, that really plays into the, the next story uh, to bring up about uh, Jared Porter uh, yeah. from the Mets. Formerly of the Mets. Oh, that's true. Yes, formerly <laughs> of the Mets, mainly because he can't keep his hands to himself. Uh, yeah, you you know, I'm going to let you take these stories. You know more about them. So. Yeah, so uh, Jared Porter was uh, just this offseason hired as the new general manager of the Mets. Uh, and people were pretty excited about that. He's He's been around baseball for a little while, but he was one of those uh, hot assistant types, hot assistant GM types, who always get jobs as general managers at some point rather than rather uh later whatever um hired by the mets and then a story came out where a female reporter who had been uh talking with him when he was with the diamondbacks i believe it was cubs cubs um said that he uh he texted her and she texted back and then he sent 60 some odd text messages to her with no response with no response (laughs) uh and then uh, sent a picture of a dick, which he says is not his dick, but rather a stock photo of a dick that he keeps around for special situ- situations just like this, I guess. Which happened to have the same background as the non-dick pic that was sent just before. Yeah. So, very <laughs> so, strange. Yeah, it seems like it was his dick pic, but, you know, uh, I'm I'm willing to 
to uh, yield the floor to, he just sand, sent a dick pic to a woman who didn't ask for it. Yeah. Um, uh, also, if it's not your dick, it's still not appropriate. Uh, yeah, yeah like, so. uh, just because you got a dick on your phone doesn't mean you can send it to whoever you want. Um, so he was fired, deservingly so. Um, but uh, I, I felt like we really needed to touch on this because uh, earlier this offseason, we talked about Kim Ng becoming the first female general manager in baseball. Uh, first in pro sports, like yep. the four major sports here, um, of which two are really only a major sport. So, and she, she should have been a if she was a man, if she was Jared Porter, she would have had a job twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, but she didn't because nobody wanted to make her the first female GM in sports, and she did literally everything she had to do multiple times in order to rise to the level where somebody would actually consider her. And now she has that job. You know, we'll see how she does. Uh, you know, I, I hope nothing but success for her. But, you know, th- this is this is something that has happened in different ways in sports for a long time. People are talking about uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a black assistant coach and uh, is not getting called in for head coaching vacancies even though he's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, who are the best offense in the in the NFL, basically. Strange, strange, yeah. Um, it, it's... Uh, I think what, what became very clear in the days that, that followed the Jared Porter story were that there is literally no recourse if you are a reporter in baseball to complain about sexual harassment. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could... Find your way to call the league office and tell them that anonymously report some claim. But it, nobody, none of the female reporters that I've followed in regards to this have, have said that any kind of, uh, you know, anonymous reporting system has ever seemed to work or and, seemed, uh, to, seemed to lead to any kind of reasonable uh, ending. Baltimore is not immune. No, yeah, and Britt Giroli just talking about the story. She was uh, with the with the Sun for a long time. She's with the Athletic now, uh, but covering the Orioles for a while. And uh, she said that a a member of the 2012 Orioles, she wouldn't specify who, uh, had called uh, said, uh, "Come up to my hotel room. I want to talk to you about a story." She showed up, candles, Drake, this guy trying to kiss her. Uh, Sounds like a story <laughs> proposition if I've ever heard one. <laughs> and uh, uh, she said, uh, no, like, what's this all about? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you liked me because you're nice to me or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, that's I, the guy who thinks every stripper likes him, too. Just I, the problem is men. The problem is men. The, uh, the problem is absolutely men. And, you know, like I, I'm. It sucks because I was talking about this the other day, and I, I I think that like I like to think I'm I'm a good person. I don't <laughs> I've never harassed a woman before. That you I think, know of? I think that I, I think that the idea of doing that is just sick and disgusting. And uh, you know I, I I don't want someone to feel uncomfortable around me. I want everyone yeah. to feel welcome around me. Like I, I I can help them. I want to be a helpful source rather than a a divisive one. Um, but you know women with good reason will look at everybody with a skeptical eye regardless of of anything because 
there are situations just like this where, you know, you're just doing your job. You're just and Bridger always just doing her job. She thinks there's a story up in the hotel room. They're on the road. This is where you can go to meet up with him. Yeah. Uh, Especially if it's like a we're going to I'm going to tell you something happened in the clubhouse. So I don't want people to see us out. So yeah. Or report I, it, they'll know, you it's know, me. like uh, I got to tell you, but it's got to be discreet. So you got to come to my room where nobody's looking. Yeah. Like, you know, these things would happen all the time. You know, this this is a, a common thing that was going on in Harvey, too. Just going back to that, like, come to my hotel room because I'm here for the weekend and I want to discuss a role. And then all of a sudden you show up and Harvey's in a bathrobe and it's like, can I get a massage? And the whole thing, like, I, I just there needs to be something put in place that is a a real step to make sure that these types of allegations are taken seriously. And uh, the more important part to me right now is that female reporters or any reporter, I mean, like it's mostly female reporters, but any reporter who feels like they, they need to say something that would be, you know, I don't know who the 2012 Oriole is. It could be a big star. It could be somebody who was on the team for 10 days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, I would want them to be punished. Yeah. I would want I I don't want them on the t- I I don't care who it is. I I don't want them. I don't I I don't want people who are actively ruining people's lives. And you know what? I I think they're you know, in defense of this guy even though clearly he crossed the line, maybe he didn't think he was. Maybe he thought he was, you know, like, "Oh, I'll call her up here and she'll be like, "Oh, finally you made the move." Yeah. Uh I can I can reverse engineer that logic in my head but at the same time it doesn't necessarily that doesn't give you the right to put somebody in that position to make them feel uncomfortable and there yeah. needs to be a real because like if it was a simple misunderstanding oh i thought she really liked me i thought this was my move i thought i uh, you know like i didn't touch her i didn't do any you know i didn't do anything like like you know <laughs> uh physical like Maybe there's some sort of way that we can all come to an agreement. Like, I'll apologize to her. We don't have to make this a bit, you know, like, I'm so sorry this happened. Like, maybe it can be as easy as that. Yeah. It can be, it can be simple. If, it, if it's a non-simple situation where it's something that is crossed the line into physical or, you know, like, real chargeable sexual harassment, you know, there, there needs to be some place where people can go because it, it's not – Good enough isn't good enough for me anymore. I I need I need more of a a step here because it, reporters are going are not telling these stories because they're afraid that they're going to lose their jobs if they do. Yeah, and I you know like that's not. Bridgeroli doesn't deserve to lose her right to do this well, because she was the victim of somebody coming on to her. You know, like more than that, I think uh, there's a reason she didn't mention the name of the player. Yeah, because instantly the story then becomes him and what he did versus yeah. like no no. This is one example of a what's clearly widespread problem amongst a very male sport. Well, yeah, and I mean, like you know, obviously, this isn't just a sports problem. This well, is a yes. this is a societal problem, and every part of society needs to have a place where you can feel like you can, you know, like on set, like you know, if if a woman felt like she was being uh, harassed by the the producer. Yeah. Like, who do you who do you go? He's the one you would go see. Like, yeah. well, there is not necessarily a step in between. Well, that's the Harvey thing, right? Yeah, like, that, and also, uh, he has friends, and I would like to work in this town, right? So, well, and you know, like there were stories about uh, Dan Snyder being involved in sexual harassment as well with the uh, Landover Washingtons, uh, and 
he was he, what do you do he's the owner like who's and, above him and if you you know say the general manager harass some woman which yeah. at some point in the Redskins happened but like you know you go to the you go to the owner you think you're having a, a moment where you're just like this is a real big problem he did this to me Snyder's less likely to listen to you because he's in the same boat as the guy who just harassed you. Like he doesn't want to shine, put sunlight on this thing. Like yeah. that, that's that I I'm, I just think that uh, baseball had such a nice moment with Kim Ng mm-hmm. and it was what made me happy about it was because I know more than any other sport that I know people who are fans of women in baseball I feel like is is one of the things that uh, I know a lot of female baseball fans Mm -hmm. and it was nice for not only for the sport, but for these fans in particular to feel like, you know, there's a there's there's a path forward for them. And then in the same offseason, we get a story like this that just makes it seem like this impossible task will never be will never be fixed. And, you know, every woman, not every woman, most women will have a story about being put in a a place where. They were uncomfortable. Yep. They were harassed. They were physically assaulted. And, you know, like, it, at the very least, baseball can, you know, like, they're the center stage of this exact moment so they can figure it out and they can move on with it. You know, like, I, I, I'm just good enough is not good enough. Hey, uh, and here's a suggestion. Uh, more women in places of power means that there is more likelihood that you handle these situations in a good way. Yeah. Because the... 32 NFL owners, who which are not all male. There are some women amongst the conglomerate groups that own teams. And I think that there are is a, hu- a couple of husband and wives that together own the team. I can't think of any, though. Not that that or that. Fan. Marge Schott, she doesn't own a team anymore. <laughs> that was Cincinnati Reds, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but more women in positions of power. More Kim Marge Schott wouldn't have been. Would have been a good uh, arbiter of this kind of thing either. I don't think she would have uh, handled it as, uh, very well either. But no, I heard a story about you. Let me ask you a quick question. What's your thoughts on Hitler? <laughs> uh, it, more women in places of power, not only at team level, but at the league level. Because, by the way, there's a, a lot of men at the league office. Yep. Just mostly men. And what they're going to say is, well, how can we make somebody the commissioner of the league? usually you have some experience with a team that leads you to do more with the league and you work your way up, but you're not giving them that that job either. So you're just saying it's an all white guys club because you kept it an all white guys club at all levels. Yeah. Um, So the more that we bring people of color and we bring women up to those positions and say, Hey, if a white guy can do two years at a team and earn this job, we, that needs to be the standard then two years, You don't need to be kimming and doing it for what, like 15 years? 30, yeah. At a couple of teams. <laughs> putting a full out career at several teams yeah. before she gets a shot at that job. Yeah. This is how we alleviate the problem by putting people who deserve, no matter what their gender or their race, in the right place. Um, and then, because if half the GMs are uh, are people of color, women, then you don't feel like. If I go to Snyder, it's just going to, he's not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Then maybe you don't go to Snyder, but maybe you go to the Ravens owner and just say, hey, listen, so I know you guys are going to Washington. Uh, This is something that happened with Snyder. And if Corey is the owner of the Ravens, it's going to be like, oh, I'll have a talk with Snyder. Yeah. When when I get down there, it'll be fine. Uh, 
I don't know what I'm going to be able to do, but it won't go unsaid. Yeah. And then you have people at the meeting, and not that Corey's not a white man, but someone well, who is expressing the things that you're expressing. Yeah, I mean, it, there there needs to be more accountability for this thing. And if you're not willing to treat people with basic human dignity, then you don't deserve to be a part of polite society. I mean, like that. I, I don't know how else to to put it so succinctly. But And whether it's sports or whether it's Nazis invading the Capitol, that's the line that we draw <laughs> the in the line. sand. If that's, you can't treat people like people, you don't deserve to be in polite society. Sorry. Yeah. Or there any we go. society, really. I was going to say, you know where you could be, but no, you can't be there. You can't be because it's the golden city on the hill. That where is, is that? Oh, the anthem.com. Corey the anthem.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line. 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. My website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com. Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm. At LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, yeah. Writing. Busy, busy writing. I had a very busy writing week last week, so hmm. Hmm. Uh, getting that done. How many how many pages is a busy writing week? <sighs> how many pages finished when it's all said and done, or how mm-hmm. many pages did I no, physically no. go through writing? Finished pages at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know. It's probably like ten or twelve this week. So I, I just want everybody to know. Uh, um, let me go to the two here. We did a reading on Friday yeah. of the things that I've worked on since October. Right. Five different screenplays, mm-hmm. fifteen to twenty pages generally of them. Yeah. And we did a table read of those. So that's that's a hundred pages in two months of fiction material. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm not saying that that. You haven't been doing tremendous work and <laughs> writing well and stuff like that. I'm just saying that when you got to do the research, when you got to when you got to spend some time making sure that you're laying the pipe correctly, it's it takes a little bit longer. You know, uh, <laughs> we got to make sure you're laying the pipe correctly. You got to take a little bit of <laughs> time. That took a different turn. That's not what, that's not what I meant by that. Clearly, you haven't written in over a month. You were watching The Office. <laughs> It's you've part of it, my process. You've seen it a hundred times. I just uh, sent that meme to Corey right before we began. <laughs> Go and ahead. his response was, I feel somewhat attacked by this. <laughs> As you should. Well, well, of course, you can find me at Robert and Cheek on our social networks. Uh, RobertandCheek.com for more of the stuff that I'm working on, uh, including the screenplays and the books, which are available on Amazon. Buy those books. And of course, you can find me at Robert and Cheek on TikTok this week. I have the next viral sensation to come out of TikTok. And it will be available there. So you're not going to want to miss that at all. Make sure you check it out. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm working on stuff too. Good. Good. We're all working on stuff. I'm level 258 on, uh, on Call of Duty and pumping out 20, 30 pages a week on screenplays. And, you know. Good. Good. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. working on stuff. That's all right. Yeah. Soon enough, I'll be done and you'll stop making fun of me. That's all. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've done good here today. Wait, wait, wait. Soon enough, you'll be done, and then you'll run out of excuses for why you're not done. That's the problem. Is this producer Brooks who wants to come out? We've heard enough out of you today. If you heard him in the background, that was. Did you open the door and he not come out? No, yeah, he didn't come out, so. Son of a gun. <laughs> I just want you to acknowledge me, and that's fine. Yeah. So, sorry, say your line again. I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody.
And farewell to Larry King as well. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, not a COVID death? COVID death? I don't know. I, I didn't hear. When they're the like, other. he was diagnosed with COVID, and he died two weeks later. <laughs> I'm like, are those related? <laughs> or are we just not going to report that? And it's like, uh, just honor him. He died. Cincinnati, you're on the line. <laughs> 